Today's date is May 14th, 2017. And today we're going to have a child and a baby dedication. You're going to probably hear me default to saying baby dedication. If you're having a, one that is already walking around, it's not me insulting you. It's just going to probably how this comes out when I'm saying it. But we're having a baby and child dedication. It has been a while since we've done a baby dedication here. I actually went back and listened to it and I realized that kids like Levi and Sarah and, and a whole lot that had come through that, uh, that time. Uh, Riley, was Riley in that one? Yeah, so we had, we had quite a few that came through in that batch and so here we are again. We are going to dedicate 12 kids today. Yeah, 12. That's a good number. That's a really good number. We're going to dedicate 12 kids through nine families today. This is a special time for us today. I'm glad that we get to share Mother's Day with each and every one of you. If you're a visitor here, we welcome you. Uh, we are one of those kind of churches. Uh, we believe that actually if we do exactly what the Word of God says that we are to do, that the results will be exactly what the Word of God says the results will be. That's exactly what we believe. We believe that in our, in our worship services... The reason that we do the way we do is because the Word of God instructs us to do so. It says that every time we get together, you should have songs and hymns and spiritual songs, prophecies, words of knowledge. These things should be flowing in your midst. And the Bible says that these actually must be done. The problem isn't with us having them done in our services. We, we want more churches to be like us that will have and allow them to be there. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. Are you there? It says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Seems redundant, doesn't it? I love when the Word of God just says something you're like, wait a minute. Know therefore that the Lord your God, yeah, He's God. The one that you're serving here is the one true and living God. He is the faithful God. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. Wow, faithful God. Keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep his commands. Uh, if you're in the Acts 2 class, we studied a lot on the word generations. We can go through generations. We can do a lot of different things. And sometimes in the Bible, it meant the span of about 100 years. Other times, it means the time from a man's birth until the time that he produces offspring. So anywhere from 20 to 40 years. There are different cycles of time. But what we're looking at here is I want you to think about this. If man has been on the earth somewhere around 6,000 years, not even... On the Jewish calendar, we're at year 5777 right now. So we're still 200 years away from that 6,000 mark. So approximately 6,000 years. If God is going to grant His love, if He's keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who what? Love Him and keep His commands. We've talked about this many times. If you love Him, you will keep His commands. Those things are always joined throughout the Word. You can see it almost on every page of the Bible. If we love the Lord, Amen. we do exactly what He says. Amen. So the message to us today is if you're not doing exactly what He says, that should give you an indication of actually how much you love the Lord. These things cannot be separated. In our culture, we kind of separate them. Do you know Jesus? Yeah, man, I know Him. You love the Lord? Oh, yeah, I love the Lord. What does that mean? Uh, that means nothing to some people. To us, we take it very seriously. But think about this to a thousand generations. We've only had about 6,000 years of mankind that's recorded in the Bible. You could have a six-year generation and still not have gotten to all that the Lord is going to do to keep His covenant of love. 
If you're looking at 20 years, then obviously we're nowhere close. The point being, God is a faithful God no matter how much time goes on. This is a way to say forever and ever and ever. When the Bible wants to say those things, it says from generation to generation. Meaning that this is an ongoing cycle, a circle of time that keeps going on and on and on. Today we get to celebrate the generations. From Mother's Day, the very fact that you're a mother says that you have propagated and that you've created more generations. But what we're going to talk about as we get to the baby and child dedication is what this looks like over time. Today is, not, is going to be a very, very special day, but let me tell you a few things that it's not. A baby dedication or a child dedication is not a magic formula that says if you do this, you're then done with all responsibilities until they grow up sometime. This is not some type of magical thing that happens. What it is, it's a commitment. It is a commitment from you as a parent and from us as a church that says we will all hold each other accountable to do this exactly the way that God says. When there's a mistake, we're going to love each other enough to actually correct the mistake. When something is going well, we're going to come beside you and say, man, you're doing great. Keep that up. Don't be discouraged. Don't get weary in well-doing because you can do this. You will reap the harvest of righteous children if you don't faint along the way. For a long time, I worked in a private school. So I got to mess with two things that you're not supposed to mess with other people about. Their money and their kids. So I'm kind of used to being in this area. I'm going to mess with you about your kids today. If you are a parent and your children are grown, this message still applies to you because these are the principles of the gospel. And if you don't have natural children, then you should be developing spiritual children under your tutelage. You should have disciples that are coming behind you. So everything that I'm going to say today about a parent and a child is actually applicable to us because this is a church who believes in discipleship. We believe in producing what we are in the next generation. We get the fun part as a disciple when you're starting to make disciples that sometimes that is a quicker cycle. You get to see growth from a baby Christian to somebody who's mature in a matter of just a few years. But it takes a few years even after you're already an adult. Let's look at another scripture. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 34. Isaiah chapter 34. And we're going to start in verse 16. All right, now y'all got to be with me today. If we got kids, I know we got kids in here. Parents, if, if you're waiting on the end of this when we bless the kids and you need to step out, it's okay. Praise God. Don't you feel bad, not for one second. Take care of the kids and then come on back in here because we're going to pray over each and every one of the families, each and every one of the kids. So everybody look this way. We're going to agree that that's okay today, right? We're not worried about a recording or being on TV somewhere. We have to... We have to expel the parents with the children. This happens in churches, my friends. Um, excuse me, you need to step out. Um, I'm a mom who's actually trying to get something from the Lord. Yes, but your baby might cry and it might get on the recording. Yeah, I don't care. We're raising families here. Babies cry. That's what they do. You don't have to feel ashamed of that, parents. We're going to just work through this today together. Isaiah 34 and verse 16 says this, Look in the scroll of the Lord and read. None of these will be missing. Not one will lack her mate, for it is his mouth that has given the order, and his spirit will gather them together. God allots their portions. He ha his hand distributes them by measure. 
they will possess it forever and dwell there from generation to generation. The Lord is speaking here and it's, uh, it's through various prophecies that you see these things. In the verses before, you see actually the Lord bringing judgment upon a group of people. And here He's trying to show, look, look, let me tell you about this. Not one of these will be missing. Not one will lack her mate. I was reading this for a very, very different reason this morning. Nick and I were sitting next to each other and I was asking Nick to look up something for me as we were preparing. Nick found this scripture and I was like, man, this is a, this is a wonderful scripture. Wonderful scripture. I want to encourage someone in here today. I believe this was more of a prophetic scripture than either he or I knew at the moment. I want to encourage you. None of these will be missing. Not one will lack their mate. For it is God's mouth that has given the order. And God's spirit will gather you together. I want to encourage some of you today. I want to encourage you that the Lord is with you. That when he puts you in the right place, whether this is for a ministry partner for you or for a, a spouse for you, I want to encourage you. Not one's going to miss their mate in here. Not one of you is going to miss out on what God has for you. I just want to encourage you with that. Turn to Psalm chapter 145. Psalm 145. Let's look at verse 4. Actually, let's go ahead, Joy, let's back up one verse. I'm sorry, let's start in verse 3. It says this, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. It is our job as human beings to tell of what the Lord has done from one generation to the next. Amen. We've actually been studying a lot in different classes that we have about the idea of generational ministries. <laughs> what does that mean? That means we don't want it to stop with us. That means as soon as I, I was about 25 years old when my son Gabriel was born. It's hard to explain to somebody before they're married what married life is like. Isn't it? Well, it's, it's this, but it's, yeah, it's a little hard to explain and put in words. It is incredibly difficult to explain to somebody what it's like when you get your first child. The difference in life between not having a kid and going to one kid is a huge difference and it's hard to put it into words. And then two. And then you just lose count. Because <laughs> you're outnumbered and it doesn't matter anymore, right? We used, to, we used to kid around going from man to man to zone, right? We were like, okay, we got each one. We got one, we two kids. We had one-on-one. -on -one, and then, yeah, just it, it, you lose it after that. But this idea that one generation, the minute that my son Gabriel was born, the focus of my life began to change. I now had someone else that was reliant. My wife did such an incredible job feeding and taking care of and we would I'd try to be a good dad and be there and do these things but you know what we found is soon enough we're like yeah what we're doing can no longer just be about ourselves what I didn't know when I first got married was how selfish I was maybe you weren't selfish of course you were but I was selfish before I got married and I didn't even have any context with which to judge it I was just like I do what I want you know why because it's just me and then I got married and I was like Ugh, you had to die to self and it's the dumbest things that show you that you have to die to self, isn't it? Yes. Toilet roll. Does it go over or under? <laughs> Clearly it goes over. Clearly. 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 Tube with toothpaste. Do you just grab it and squeeze or do you roll it? Roll it. Uh-huh. See, y'all can't even get it straight with us. <laughs> In your own house, you're like, this should be easy. 
you know what's not easy is dying to self on a regular basis. And if those things keep rising up in you, it, it, it's, it's understood when you first get married. You're trying to learn how to do this. You're like, this is retarded. Why do you do this? Yeah, but what the Lord is doing is He's causing this union between two people to cause you to die to self. That gets exponentially shown when you start having a kid. I'm like, amen, I'm no longer selfish. I've been married for three years. Right? And then we have a kid, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm still so selfish. I don't want to wake up when the baby cries in the middle of the night. As a matter of fact, I know no one else has ever done this. You lay there in bed and pretend like you don't hear the screaming, crying baby. It, <laughs> it's the only thing that you can hear in the whole house. Maybe if I don't move at all, maybe she'll go get it. And you know what my wife is doing? You know what I found out years later? She's doing the same thing! Until she gets fed up and goes like, babe. <sighs> the truth is, is as human beings, we don't want to die to self. But what it requires, what the kingdom requires is that we take up our cross, we deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. This is the requirement. Why am I going over this? Of course you know this. But if we're going to declare God's works, his mighty acts, one generation to another... It requires that we die to self all the time. And when you think you've reached the epitome of dying to self, and you're like, I must be completely dead. I'm completely full of the Holy Spirit. You're going to come across somebody who cuts you off in traffic or somebody who wants to go somewhere different for lunch, and you're going to realize how small of a thing can cause you to get completely derailed. It's too cold. It's too hot in here. Okay, amen. You're probably right. Wait, we've just said both. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to our world, right? You have to die to self. You're going to have to die to self over and over and over again as a parent. And if you do this well, you know what you'll teach your kids? How to die to self. Because this is what we do. We declare of God's works, of his righteous acts, one generation to another. Let's take a look at the slideshow, Joy. <clears throat> Amen. It'll get there. Don't you worry about it. All right, so we'll go ahead and go on to the next one now. These are the Adarmas boys, incredibly good-looking kids, come from incredibly good-looking parents. Weston, Hudson, and Kaysen. We're going to be dedicating Kaysen today. Uh, Kaysen, yeah, okay, by the way, y'all are going to be on, you're going to be on cuteness overload here for a few minutes, okay? So you're going to have to dial down the awes because it's going to get, it's going to get, just you're going to overload with cuteness. Some of you will have to hit the reset button because this is amazing. The, the kids in our church, the families, are the best-looking families anywhere. Kaysen, although he does not have the DNA of Alex and Haley, he's adopted. I believe it's this Friday that the legal paperwork will be done, that he will be officially an Adarmes. Incredible. Very quickly, let me share the story. Uh, they have a heart, the, Alex and Haley have a heart for adoption. I don't necessarily think that Kaysen will be the last, but he is, he is their first adoption, their third child. It took a matter of about a week from not, not knowing that Kaysen was on the planet to Kaysen being in your arms, Haley, and you caring for him. And it's taken these many months to kind of get the paperwork done. But within the matter of a week or ten days, I don't want to uh, be overly pastoral and stretch the truth. In my mind, it was one week. 
It was eight days between the time that they had no idea that Kason was there and they were actually holding him, taking care of him. And what a, what a blessing. What a little angel there, right? Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> I'm telling you, cuteness overload, people. Cuteness overload. This is Ariel, Ari. Call her Ari Butler. And uh, Ari is with her parents are Justin and Jenny Butler. You can go to the next one. Yeah, more, more cuteness right there. Ari's little brother, Luke. Luke Stanley Butler. What a boss of a name. Those giant blue eyes just looks at you. The, what, what a sweet and a precious family. We're so glad that Justin and Jenny, that Ari and Luke are here. I'm telling you, I told you. Y'all going to just explode with cuteness today. This is Elijah Ian Fowler. Brandon and Stephanie did a good job and produced a super cute kid, man. Yeah. I know Stephanie's technically smiley around here, but, but Elijah does the same thing, man. He has got the best disposition. He is the sweetest little dude. If he comes and hangs out with me, then he's, he's my friend. Uh, we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> this is Shiloh. Shiloh Ann Moloch. Shiloh is a very, very special child. Uh, the doctors have been amazed at Shiloh since her birth. There were procedures that were done. There were problems that they thought would be there uh, from microcephalia, a head that was too small at birth. They were afraid that it wouldn't grow. They've told them that uh, joints in the head were fused and it was going to cause problems and surgeries needed. None of that has taken place. And I don't think it's because the doctors were vastly wrong. I think it's because our God moved on their behalf at every turn. At every turn. Now the, the, her little head is growing. There's such progress and growth in every way. Folks, I want to encourage you in this too while I'm talking about the Molochs. There are some things that God will do in a moment, and there are some things that He gives you little by little. Do not get confused between the two. In the process, the same thing is happening with Riley. There are some things that God is doing, and it is miraculous. The doctors are standing amazed. And there are some things that the family has to continue to fight for. If you get confused and think that because you have to fight for something that it's not God at work in you, you've missed the whole point. When he does the immediate, when he does the, the momentary miraculous thing that goes on in your life, you should be incredibly blessed. That should move you to, to tears. And you know what you should do? You should get ready to keep fighting. Because even after the physical part is done, we still have to raise the kids. Amen? Next picture. Yeah. This is not a stock photo, folks. This is little Eileen Lynn. Uh, her mom is Morgan, and Morgan has been coming here for a few weeks, and we love this. Is, yeah, that's, that's the little personality that I see when I see her. The little GQ before is incredible. It should go on a, on a magazine somewhere. This is the one that I know right here. Uh, beautiful little girl we're going to dedicate in just a little while. Going on to the next one. Yeah, we have... We have another Lynn. We have River Lynn Parsons. In case you can't tell, that picture is right there by the Dead Sea, by the Salt Sea uh, in Jerusalem. And so, yeah, little, little uh, towel angel there, right? That's, that's so stinking cute. I can't stand it. I love this. Amen. <laughs> this is Valentina and Megan Rueda. These guys uh, have just started coming to church. Uh, we were in India, and uh, I come back, and Carlos and Patricia are fully plugged into the church. I'm like, 
those guys are awesome. Who are they? What are they doing here? I'm like, hey man, I love my church. I love that the fact that I go away for we go away for two weeks on a mission trip and new people show up. And they didn't just show up; they're like plugged in, you know. So I love it. Um, you see what I'm saying? That is super cute, Megan. I'm overloading and I'm a guy. I'm like, wow, this is this is too much cuteness right here. Yeah, uh huh. We have Titus, Magnus. Benjamin Stevens in the house. I, I love this picture. I love the next one that's coming up. This is him over his dad's shoulder as they're going up Masada in Jerusalem in, the, in their recent trip. I love that picture because I think it captures his little personality really, really well. It's like, yep, yeah, that's him. Hey, man. Next picture. Oh, yeah. So we have... We have Jonathan Ezra on the left. We have uh, Joshua Eliam on the right. The Treesters, the double dynamic duo, Sons of Thunder. There they are. Yeah. Did Mario take this picture? Wow, what an incredible, incredible talent. The next one, um, same place that Hannah and River were, were just a few minutes ago. You see uh, Jonathan and Ella as well. Hey, look, I, I want to tell you guys as we're doing this, um, I've been in other churches, and uh, you, you work through the mechanism of a, of a baby dedication. I love the fact that when I look at these pictures, I was looking at it before, and I was moved to laugh. I mean, I'm the one that put the pictures in. I'm the one that did it. I knew exactly what was coming next, and I'd still see Elijah, and I'd be like, ha-ha, look at that, I love that kid. I love the fact that we're at a church that uh, we don't need to put stickers on your back for us to know who you are. I've been there, and I understand the mechanism. I understand why it was done. But we actually know each other, and we actually love each other. I know what to pray for you when I look at your kid. We know your kids well enough. If they're old enough to be demonstrating their little personality, what we need to pray to strengthen you in. We not only know you, we not only know your kids, but we're praying exactly for those, uh, for those strong-willed ones, those future leaders amongst us. <laughs> Doesn't that sound better than strong-willed? The future leaders. Amen. We're going to pray for them too. And we're praying for you while we're at it. Amen. Let's go on this. Today is a day about us making a commitment. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 25. It is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. What we're asking you to do is consider it very, very seriously, the vows that you make to the Lord. You are not allowed to break a vow that you make to the Lord. I know it's popular in our culture least in this day and time, but the Word of God says that you are not supposed to let it. It becomes a trap to you when you don't consider this well. The next verse goes on and tells the same thing. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Folks, if that's what we're supposed to do for a building that the Bible lays out for us for building a building, how much more about raising children? Amen. How much more should we consider what we're saying and what we're investing ourselves in and the seriousness of the call from God? But there are some benefits. In the next slide, it shows us this. Psalm 102, verse 28. It says this, The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. The children of your servants. Okay, who's that? The servant should be us. And the children of our servants 
will live in God's presence. Look at Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2. A little picture of the butlers off to the side. You'll see some families appearing as we're doing this too. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in His commands. His children will be mighty in the land. What does it say about the man? It's not really worried about the man. It's giving you the qualifications of the man, the characteristics of the man, and what it will produce in his offspring. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Hey, folks, you want to have a great kid? Then you live for the Lord the way you're supposed to. If you do what you are supposed to do, and you parent the way that you're supposed to parent, and you take it seriously, the vows that you've made, your kids can be blessed. Amen? Look at the next one. Proverbs 17, 6. This one blessed me to no end. Children's children are a crown to the aged. Your grandkids are supposed to be like a crown to you. Not just because they're so stinking cute, but because they're carrying on the same line that you have. They're carrying on the same heart that you have, and hopefully that is so full of God's Spirit that it is like a crown to you. Your children are one thing, and if you can get it down to that next generation, we studied that this Friday night in Acts 2. It's a difficult thing to go Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a difficult thing to get two generations deep, much less three generations or more in actually serving the Lord. Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Doesn't that make sense to you? Think about a kid when they're little. Uh, Joshua. It is... Joshua Treister, it makes total sense to me. He should think that his dad is the biggest, strongest, smartest, best bearded man in the whole wide world. <laughs> he should think that. Why? Because they're little and they look up to parents. They look up to mom. The girls want to be beautiful just like their mom. The boys want to be strong just like their dads. Right? This is the way that it's supposed to be. But I encourage you, if you're here in this place today, that shouldn't just be that way when they're four. Amen. It should be that way when they're 14 and when they're 24 and when they're 44. Amen. What does that require of us as parents? That means we've got to keep growing. When they're four, you can just blame it on a little ignorance, right? Well, they don't really know. They don't have a scope of the world. The more of the scope of the world that your kids get, the more they should respect you. Amen. Huh. Maybe it's that you should have enough character beneath that that it, it stands not just a 4-year-old test, but a 14-year-old test or a 44-year-old test. This is what we are supposed to do. The Bible says it. Parents are the pride of their children if you're doing it God's way. Now, I also know that when I was a teenager, there were times that my dad embarrassed me beyond belief. We'd show up somewhere and my dad, my dad would walk up to people at the grocery store. And he would start telling them about accomplishments that I was making in high school. Dad, they don't care. Let me tell you what else he did. Dad. Dad. And as much as it was causing me to die to self because I was embarrassed, the truth is, is I liked it. I knew that my dad was on my side. I knew that he loved me in a crazy kind of ridiculous, distorted way. And that's exactly what I needed going up. Amen? The next slide. The foundation for any parenting is always located in marriage. By the way, we are going to have a parenting class here at this church. It's going to start about four weeks from yesterday, I think, something like that, on June 17th. We're going to do that from 10 to 12. I am telling you that now because this teaching this morning is basically like your, um, 
um, your homework for the first parenting class. This is your homework, so you should be taking notes. This is not just a baby dedication. Don't pretend like you know all this stuff. Even if you do, just make me feel good and take notes anyway. <laughs> We're going to discover some things in parenting. We're going to do this the right way. We're going to look at the way God has designed this. We are not saying as your pastors and elders who will be teaching this, we're not saying that we've done it all perfectly, but we are saying that the word of God is true and let every man be held a liar. If you see something wrong in us or in our families because we did not do it the way that the Lord said, because if we do, it will produce the right fruit. There's no other way around that. And we're going to help you to learn how to discipline your kids, how to realize that you're raising adults, you're not raising kids. No, I'm raising kids. No. When you're raising apple trees, do you say you're raising apple seeds? No. You're raising apples. You're raising an orchard. What do you say that you're raising when you do that? You're saying that you're raising the end product. You know why? Because that keeps you always pointed in the right direction. When you're raising kids, you can kind of wallow where they are. If you're raising something more than just a child, if you're raising the next generation of godly people, you focus your life differently. You engage with them differently. You don't let little things slide because you know that those little things may put an end to them in the future. You have to deal with it. This is, we're going we're gonna to get into some good stuff, my friends. Going to not teach that right now. The foundation is marriage, though. By the way, when you got married, you started your family. Whether you had kids at that moment or not, under God, you became a new entity under heaven. That's actually the way that Pastor Matt and I close. We now introduce to you a new entity under heaven, Mr. and Mrs. Nolan Hewitt. Almost one month. I mean, almost one year. About a month away from it being a year. So I got all that jumbled up. Here they are, right? You start a family when you get married. Because marriage is the foundation. God already had in mind what he was going to do and wanted Adam to do. Look at this, verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. That's verse 18. When does Adam figure out that he needed a helper? Verse 20. Let's read verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. Wow, that was a long process. Uh, a, a platypus. A pterodactyl. <laughs> Get long enough and you're like, dog, cat. Just whatever. Fish, fine. All right. That's a lot of things to name. I, sorry, you're, you're getting into my brain a little bit here. How long did... Okay. So man gave names to the, all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Adam had to go through all of this and realize, yeah, there's nothing on this world that can actually help me. You know what? I need help. I actually need help. So what the Lord did was He took from the side of man and made woman. He's saying that you needed help, and I'm giving you the help. The word for help here, if you've been through our marriage teaching, what is it? Easer. It's an easer. Someone to help you do that which you cannot do on your own. You need help. All the men, I'm looking at you. Yeah, you need help. If you are married, you should look at your wife and say, Oh, thanks for being my easer. Look at him right now. Yeah, some of y'all did that lame. 
Y'all lucky I'm a state, because I would have kissed my wife right then. I'd have hugged her. <laughs> I'd have taken advantage of that. Come on, man. It's right there. The Lord said that it was not good for man to be alone, so he wanted to have a helper found. The next slide. From Genesis, we see that man learned of his need for a wife. If you haven't yet learned of that need, even if you're married, you're in trouble. You're already in trouble. If you think you can accomplish God's will without your wife, without the mother on this Mother's Day, you are so sadly mistaken. I don't care how talented you are. God made it where you cannot accomplish your purpose unless you have your easer by your side. It will not happen unless this is in right order. We also see that a man and woman were originally one and that when married they leave their respective families and become one. A man and woman will leave their father and mother and they will come and be one. What is that oneness? It's not only a oneness physically, it is a oneness in purpose. It is a oneness in goal. It is a oneness in direction. When you do it right, this is against the idea of being a, what my wife and I used to call roommate. You had a roommate marriage. What happens when you're a roommate? Now we go and we, you, you come and go whenever you like. You do what you want. You have separate everything. And you just happen to cohabitate the same building together. Yeah, that's not at all what God wants. We used to say it like this. God doesn't want you to just be roommates. He wants you to be soulmates. He wants you to understand that this person is the completion of who you are and your calling. The foundational truth that must be acknowledged in the beginning is that husband and wife form a new independent entity under heaven. Let's take a look here. Immediately after the fall, let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. Everybody turn to Genesis 3. You can just leave the slides up. We'll, we'll do this from, from here. Genesis chapter 3, we've taught on this before. I won't take a great deal of time, but I do need to lay the groundwork for us as we go forward. In Genesis 3.15, the plan, the battle plan was already there. Man and woman had both sinned. They fell. They disobeyed God in the garden. And the Bible says in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The Lord is actually speaking to the serpent here. He had cursed the serpent for his part in this endeavor. But even then, the Lord here through Genesis 3, starting in verse 15, starts giving a lot more solutions than he does problems. You will hear many, many preachers tell you about the curse that fell upon mankind. I want to encourage you, the Lord is giving a solution here. He's saying that the offspring is the solution. The children that you have is the solution for the problem of sin in this world. The children that you are raising is the solution. It's not a problem. Let's go on to the next chapter. I'm sorry, the next slide. It says this, To the woman, God says, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. There's a difficulty here, my friends. This is part of a solution that God is giving. Not a curse to women. Difficulty is not a curse in your life. It is part of something that is trying to move you towards the right solution. Did you hear the word that was given in tongues earlier and interpreted by one of our elders' wives? By an elder on the first part and an elder's wife on the second? That the fire that you're in is designed to burn off your, your, the things that are binding you? The fire that you're going through? The difficulty that you're going through? This is in perfect alignment with God's word. 
by the way, if you look at this, I won't take time to go into it because of our, our time situation this morning. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. That is one word in the, in the Hebrew, one, uh, one type of word for pain. With pain, you will give birth to children. That's actually a different word. It's a completely different word. One is Isaban, and the other is Iseb. For those of you who are studious, you can look that up. Just look in, and find that in that chapter. What you'll find is that one means a physical pain. But it can't just mean a physical pain only. Why? Because then all you have to do is have an epidural, ladies. And the problem that God had put here is, is done. A little medicine, enough, enough painkiller while you're having birth, and, and this doesn't apply to you, I promise you there's never a chance in the Bible for you to skirt around what God is trying to tell you. It's saying a physical pain and an emotional pain. Come on, we referenced it earlier. <laughs> when your kid is crying and you're in a restaurant and they're throwing food and you're like, I am the worst parent ever. Yeah, this is part of this pain that God is trying to work through in you so that you trust Him, so that you reach out to Him. Your desire will be for your husband. This is not a curse, my friends. This is the answer. He will rule over you. That sounds so bad and so many people have done this poorly. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to hold God as true and hold every man as a liar. We're not going to let the people around us try to make us redefine what the Word of God actually says. We're not going to contort the Scripture to fit what we like better. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Ladies, on this Mother's Day, as, an, as a place of honor, it is right for your husbands to lead you. If you actually understand this and you die to self, this will actually be the most liberating thing in your entire life. If your husband keeps in mind, as your husband keeps in mind, that you are an essential, cherished, needed part of your life, and you both are looking towards the Lord and submitting to what the Lord's doing, His leadership in your life will allow you to be elevated. It will not be a chain around your ankle. It will be the elevation behind you. It will provide you both roots to be grounded and the wings to fly as high as you need to go. This is the right way that God has established it. Look at verse 17. Cursed is the ground because of you. By the way, that phrase, because of you, could also be interpreted for your sake. Cursed is the ground to help you out. Through painful toil. By the way, the word painful there is the same as the first word for pain for the women. It's not like the women got one pain and the men didn't get any. It was actually a proportional thing that the Lord had given. Through painful toil, you will eat of the ground all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. It will produce, uh, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. In very general terms, you can see that the restoration would come as the husband worked to provide for the family and the wife produced godly offspring as she followed his lead. This is the solution that God has given. By the way, these roles overlap. Husbands, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this in a parenting class. If you leave all the discipline to your wife, you're missing out. You are the head of your household. You need to be the one, even if the wife has her hands more directly on it because of work schedule, you need to be the one that is leading your family. You need to lead in the discipline. You need to encourage. You need to be there and support. You need to strengthen your wife in what she is doing or this won't work right. If you look at these as separate, independent roles, you don't understand. What did we start off with? 
the husband and wife became one. We have different responsibilities, but we have a oneness in purpose. You cannot ever abdicate your role as a husband and put something off on the wife and think that you're leading. You can delegate, but you cannot abdicate. More on that another time. Next slide. Adam heard the promise. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20. How can you tell that he looked at this? How, Pastor, I don't agree with you, what you're saying. I've heard people for years and they say that Genesis 3 is about the curse. It's about the curse. It's about the curse. I'm saying it's more about the solution than it is about the curse. You know why I know that? Because I look at how Adam responded to the Lord speaking it to him. And in Genesis 3.20 he said, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. He didn't hear that and go, dang, you're in trouble. Ooh, it's going to hurt when you have kids. I get to rule over you. That's not what he said. He's like, hey man, I'm going to name you mother of all that is living. He heard the redemptive plan was through the offspring. He understood that motherhood was a solution to the problem. He understood that his leadership within this within this family unit was exactly what God had for him. The foremost purpose in marriage is to produce the offspring that would crush the enemy's head and bring life. That's why marriages are so under attack. That's why it's everywhere. By the way, I had somebody look this up for me. It's been almost two years since our Supreme Court decided to redefine marriage. That you can be same, you could have a same-sex marriage. Well, that's not at all what God has. You know why? Because He shows us right here exactly what it's supposed to be. Next slide. Look at this. Verse Timothy chapter 2. It says this. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Pastor, this is really kind of a non-Mother's Day kind of scripture here, huh? Yeah, give me just a second. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Is God just against women? Not at all. When you look at these words, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. The word for quietness there is also the same word that's at the end of verse 12, that she must be silent. You know what that word means more fully? The word is in the Greek 2271, hesusia. It means to be settled. It means to be stilled within. It means to have a tranquility of spirit. She must have a peaceful heart. You know what gives a woman a peaceful heart? If you are married then your husband should give you a peaceful heart. Your love of the Lord should give you a peaceful, quiet heart. That's what we're looking at. This is not an arcane thing. It's not only Mother's Day, but it's a baby dedication. We have to address these things. The Bible is focusing on, it's not an outward sign, it's an inward quietness that shows what a beautiful woman is. 1 Peter 3 also tells us the exact same thing. It tells us the exact same thing, not to have outward adornment, but the beauty of an inner self an unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. These, my friends, cause you to be beautiful in a way. It transcends time. It transcends space. It transcends your culture. It transcends the modern nature of our culture. 
it transcends exactly what God's doing. Paul understood this. He understood the pattern. What he's teaching is that women everywhere are saved by the same hope that Eve is. If we say that the same hope is in Genesis 3, then what Paul is doing is actually confirming this. And he's saying, the seed from her body will crush the head of the enemy. How do we do that? We live exactly the way God tells us to. We don't let the modern world define us and pigeonhole us and cause us to be. We look to the Word and we find our hope and our inspiration and our model. For this to happen, everyone needs to understand and embrace their roles. <laughs> Jesus has come. Why do we go on bearing children? The one that came to crush the head of the serpent has already come. I guess we're done then, right? No, not at all. This is when we start reading these scripture after scripture, passage after passage of sending it from one generation to the next, from generation to generation, for the generations to come that God has called us here because we are supposed to be the world changers and He's going to use us and our children to do it. Amen? Amen. Let's go on to the next. The joint venture is being attacked everywhere. The thief comes in to kill, kill steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and more abundantly. The enemy has worked to steal the promises of God from our hearts. We saw that in Genesis. He's worked to kill our children, the literal and figurative source of our redemption. We see that as soon as fellowship is broken with God, we have the first murder recorded in the Bible. Chapter 3, Adam and Eve sin. Chapter 4, there's murder. This is the natural outcome when we break our fellowship with God. And most of all, God is, uh, the enemy has worked to destroy our marriage covenants so that we don't produce the fruit God intended. Let's look at Malachi, the next slide. It says this, Anything you do, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears, you weep and wail because no longer He no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Hey folks, how we respond to each other as a husband and wife, it matters to the Lord. Because you have broken faith with her, through, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Look at this next verse. Has not the Lord made them one? Who? One. The husband and the wife. In flesh and spirit they are His. And why one? Because He was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit. And do not break faith with the wife of your youth. What was God looking for? He was looking for godly offspring. He was looking. That is what God is looking for. Let me encourage you, friends. You may think that there are a lot of goals that you have in your life, but if you don't make raising godly children your primary goal, your first disciples should come and have your own DNA. God has actually given it to you in your own home so that you will raise, that you will train, that you will put down worldly things, that you will exalt heavenly things so that they can be your first disciples. Let's go to the next slide. What if Joseph and Mary had been divorced? What if Joseph looked at her and said, yeah, it's not worth it? Not only do you not get Jesus, you don't get James, the brother of Jesus. You don't get the book of James. There's a lot of things that you don't get. That's why the enemy is trying to attack so much in marriages, to put seeds of bitterness and contempt in there. Next slide. Why did God call you, my friends? Genesis 18, verse 18 says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on the earth will be blessed through him. It says, For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household. We say this verse all the time in this church. This is something that we put out in the forefront as much as we possibly can. Abraham, who was, be, who was 
chosen to begin a nation. And in James 2.23 says he was called God's friend, but he was not chosen to build a nation, bless other nations, institute circumcision, and so many other things. Only he was chosen to direct his children and his household. We are not impressed by great feats in human of, in, in our culture. We're impressed by people who can raise godly children. Amen? Go on to the next one. Let's move one more. The Bible says in Proverbs verse, chapter 22 and verse 6, it says this, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not return from it. This word for train means to narrow. By the way, you see here, compare it with another number in the Older Testament. You know what that other number means? To strangle. <laughs> um, so... Um, when you're training a child, you have to narrow things. I remember my mom, we talked about this, obviously I didn't understand it as a kid. She would go, all right, here are your two choices. You have to pick. I'm like, so what? She was like, I was trying to make you be able to make decisions. And then I would give you three choices and make you pick. She was actually training me by trying to narrow my field and narrow my focus. She wanted me, no, I want you to look over here and I want you to do this. I've shared this before. I had kids trying to tell my kids to clean up their room when they're little. You know what I didn't do very well? I was like, go clean your room. And they were like, ha, ah, ah. Okay, go pick up all the clothes and put them where they belong. And then come back. And then go put up all your toys. And then come back. They needed me to narrow their field. Parents, your job is to narrow it. From an infinite amount of choices, from all the things that they could do, your job is to hear from the Lord and narrow them properly to exactly what they're called to do, Amen. what their focus in life is. I can assure you that my kids, I love my kids. I think they're incredible. My son is not going to be a professional athlete. I'm not, yeah, he's like, oh man, just not going to happen. My daughter is not going to go play for the WNBA. It's not going to happen. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's true, Dad. You know why? Have you seen me? <laughs> they have no chance. But what they do have is parents who will narrow them to say, this is the way of the Lord. Walk in it. This is what you need to focus on. While schooling, while schooling is important, and as a former educator, I think it is highly important. You know what I understand that schooling does in my kids as a homeschool parent? Is that it's training and building their character. It's more about character education than it is about if they remember who the participants were in the Battle of 1812. I'm training them how to live like godly people. Dad, can I just skip this? Of course you cannot. <laughs> ever. But when will I ever use this? Let me talk to you about your character. You're only going to do what you like to do? That's not going to get you very far in the kingdom. That's actually not dying to self. That's actually promoting self. So we're going to kill self. And if you keep talking to me, I'll delete everything that you just did and make you start over. Love you. Get back to it. It's your job. My kids are old enough that I can have those conversations. You know what you do when your kids are little? You narrow their focus. You train them. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do this. But I want to do... No, you're going to do this right here. There's not options. You're going to do exactly what I say, exactly when I say it. There is no other option than that. Huh. Amen. We're going to train up our children. We're going to dedicate them and make them right. Next. Look at these scriptures as we read them quickly. 
Obey these instructions in Exodus 12 as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as He promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, ever been uh, inundated with a two-year-old's questions? A three-year-old that cannot stop asking why? A four-year-old that has better questions than you have answers for? This is what God put in your children. Do not ignore them. Do not brush off their questions. You are then having an opportunity. They're begging you to train them. They're begging you to interact with them and show them what the Lord is all about. They are giving you the opportunity. They're putting it on a platter and putting it right in front of your face. Train them. Educate them. Teach them. When your children ask, Why does this, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them. Oh, okay. Tell them. Don't get frustrated at them. Tell them you are getting to train your children. Deuteronomy 6, these commands I give you today and they were to be upon your heart, impress them upon your children. How do you impress something? Well, you act really cool. No, no, no. How do you impress? You add pressure. You have to have something that is strong enough that when you add the pressure, it leaves the mark on them. If you're too flimsy in your leadership as a parent, you know what happens? All the pressure in the world won't leave an imprint. You've got to have strength and leave your mark on your kids. Impress them. Ephesians 6, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't push them to the point. It's interesting that he addresses the fathers on this, right? You need to not get so angry with your kids that there's no teaching going on. That there's no training going on. Oh, you can be mad. I don't have a problem with you being mad. Be mad. The Lord God gets mad at us. You should be mad. But what we can't do is sin while we're angry. What we can't do is exasperate our children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. This is what we are called to do. We've got to bring, bring them to the point where they can be impressed with the Word of God. Marriage is the foundation of God's ministry. Look at verse 4. A person who is supposed to be working in the house of God must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of the church? Our lives are on display as pastors, whether we like it or not. If you are called to the ministry, your life is on display. Your family is on display. This is the way that the Lord has it. Deacons are supposed to be men worthy of respect. Their wives would be women worthy of respect. Why? Because you have to manage your own children and your household well. The reason that ministry flows from the family is that families are the building blocks for the body of Christ. This is what a church is. You realize that, right? It's a family of families. That's what a church is. When we fail to obey God by training our children and managing our households, the results are painful. When sin crops in, we have to fight it. My friends, let me encourage you. You have to fight it at every step of the way. When there are two, you can't blame it on the terrible twos for why your kid is doing that. You know what you need to blame it on? The sinful nature that's within them. It's not because they didn't have the right nap time today. It's because they have a sinful nature and you have to drive it far from them. It's not because of your particular heritage or ethnicity that they just act this way. You have to drive the sinful nature far from them. You have to teach them how to do that. Because you're the parent. You're the mother. You're the father. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Let's go on to the next one. 
Next one. Yeah, thank you. As we get ready to close here, let's just look at a list of great men who, of God who failed greatly. By the way, this is actually kind of a, a depressing. We're going to get to some good things here in just a second. But this is a little bit discouraging, and it should make us stand up and take notice. Mothers, fathers, parents in here. Gideon conquered a kingdom, took 300 men and destroyed an army with over 100,000 people in it. But he raised one son that murdered 69 of his other sons, of his other kids. A great man who did not pass it down to his family correctly. Eli, who judged Israel for 40 years, but he refused to discipline his son. He heard about it. He went and talked to them about it, but he didn't actually discipline his sons. My friends, it takes more than discussion. Discussion is not discipline alone. If you want to talk to your kid, my friends, you've got to do more than talk. You've got to actually discipline. If there are three and you're trying to reason with them, hey man, you don't understand. You can go ahead and start. I understand when they're older, there's some discussion that goes on because you're trying to train them. The discussion is never for the sake of discussion. It's never for the sake of you hearing them out. It's for the sake of you training them. If you're hearing their words and you're addressing their words with Scripture, then you can let them talk for a second. If they're too little to do that, then you shouldn't be talking. Just discipline. You can explain later. Discipline now. Amen? Amen. You may not realize how good that is. That's good. It, it, it's okay if you don't agree with that. The Scripture actually shows us this. And in our parenting class, we'll go more into it. Samuel was an awesome prophet, but his sons Abijah and Joel were perverted and accepted bribes. Men of God who ruled a nation, who helped lead and guide people who couldn't lead and guide their home. David had a heart after God, killed giants, was a great king, had a rapist as a son, and a son who led an insurrection and slept with, many wives, with, with his wives, rather, and had constant familiar infighting. How are you going to be? You know what? I can stand not being the greatest man that has ever lived if I can lead a great family. Matter of fact, I think that may put me in some pretty elevated territory if we can do that. Solomon was wise beyond measure and we know what happened to him. Let's talk about a few right examples here as we get ready to close. Mary. What a beautiful example. You realize that Mary was somewhere between, uh, most people think, 13 and 15. There's some different ages that you can find. A young girl. But you know what? She was chosen by God. Look at the last part here. Her response to the angel of the Lord. In verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be unto me as you have said. She understood that birthing the Messiah was her service to the Lord. What about you? Have you looked at your children that way? It is your service to the Lord how you respond. Let's look at the next slide. Manoah, Samson's father in Judges 13. Look at verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Uh, parents, if you don't pray this often, then I think you're missing the point. Lord, I need you to show me how to raise my kids. By the way, in our household, equality is not the same as, as fairness and rightness. 
I do not think that my kids should get the same thing. You know why? Because they are different people. What one can do and it not harm their heart, another cannot do. It will damage them. So you know what we do? We say, no, yes. And you know what? That's completely righteous. It is a godly way to look at it. God doesn't treat us all exactly the same. He treats us all fairly. He treats us all rightly. He is perfect in all that He does. But why does this one do this and this one do this? If God treated us all the same, there would not be a talent about five, two, and one talents. They would have all gotten the same amount of talents. It, it does not hold water. It is a very... It's a schooling problem that we've had that we've learned this through our society. You've got to treat me just the same. I don't think that's fair. I think for me to get benefits the same of someone like Elder Charlie, Elder Charlie's done more in his life. He's further along. He should be able to get more than I can get. I have no problem with that. I don't want him to get less, and I don't think I should get more. I think it's just about the right way. Amen? Amen. Manoah asked and received instruction from the Lord on how to raise a son, and so should we. Next one. Hannah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. She cried out to the Lord, and she promised the Lord that if He would give her a son, that she would give him back to the Lord, and he would serve in God's temple. He would serve in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Look at verse 28. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. Friends, this needs to be our attitude. If you have kids who are little, the ones that we're about to dedicate, you need to have a spirit that says, Lord, we're going to turn them over to you for their whole life. We are but stewards of these children. I don't own my children. I take the responsibility deathly seriously. And they are the Lord's. And I am supposed to raise them and He will hold me accountable. But they are the Lord's and I will give them to Him all the days of their life. This should be our cry. That's, you should have had a better amen there. That's okay. You missed it. Hannah acknowledged and acted as if, God, if her child's whole life belonged to the Lord and so must we. As we get ready for our families to come up, we need, if we need to collect kids, if we need to do that, you guys can do that. The Adarmas family, y'all come on up. The butlers. The fowlers, come on up. Miss Morgan, if you'll get Eileen, come on up with us. Come on, JJ and Natalie. Come on, Molox, come on up here with your beautiful family. The Parsons. Thruetas. Please come forward, my friends. Come on, Stevens, come forward. That's a great picture, by the way. I love it. Treasters. Hold it on the last the other slide for just a second. We're gonna give a second for all the families to get here. We've got kids and babies. Y'all come on, come on down. I'm going to ask that the elders and pastors come forward, elders, wives, y'all come forward and stand up here by us. Hey, Shiloh. What you doing? You checking me out? Kind of funny looking, huh? Hey, look at this. This is incredible. These are 12 earth-shaking, devil-stomping, Kingdom-minded babies and kids that are in the making here. 
This is an incredible thing. We're going to pray not only over the children, but parents, we're going to pray over you as well. Let me, let me step down in here. Parents, we're going to pray over you as well because this, is, this day is actually, the reason I took the time I did was because we need to look at these things and understand that the commitment is on you. That God has charged you. He has blessed you with incredible gifts here in these children that are supposed to go beyond. The kingdom of God is supposed to go. It's not about us anymore. All the parents, look at me. Say it with me. It's not about me. It's about the kids that you're holding in your arms. It's about you training them right. It's about even the ones that come from different family lines who get now engrafted into the line of the Holy Spirit. Amen, huh? He's like, yeah, I got you. I've got some vows that I want us to make as a group of parents now. If you'll put up the next slide for me, Joey. Parents, I address this to you now in front of the church. And by the way, church, you're going to have a part in this in just a second. Because we're not a church that's going to make somebody make a vow and the rest of us not have a part in this. We're all going to have some blood in this offering today. Parents, like Mary and Joseph, will you view parenting as your service to the Lord? Yes. You answer it truthfully or not, that's up to you. Like Manoah, will you accept for, will you ask for and accept instruction from the Lord regarding training for your children in righteousness? Yes. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Will you? Yes. We've got to ask it of the Lord. Like Hannah, will you yield your will for your child's life to God's will? Acknowledging and acting as if their whole life belongs to the Lord. Yes. yes, all the way across the board. Finally, will you train them through your actions and discipleship to love the Lord with all of their hearts, soul, mind, and strength? Yes. This is a huge call. What we want you to do is take a look at those of us who are a little bit further ahead or have older kids. We want you to enjoy the fellowship of each other as you get dedicated today, as your children and babies are dedicated. Church, I'd like to ask you to stand right now as well. Church, we do more than just look at somebody in this kind of church and go, hey, good luck. I hope you guys do well. Peace. Have a nice life with that little one. Right, Ailey? Gosh, these are the cutest kids ever. I love this. Church, I'm going to ask you, will you make a pledge today as well? Will you make a pledge to these families that you will stand with them? That when you see and get a word from the Lord that you will share it with them? That when you see things in their children that you will be committed to helping them by sharing it with them? When you have a thought and you have something that's going on in your head and it's kind of a negative thought towards a kid or how they're acting, what is not acceptable in this church is for you to keep that thought to yourself and talk about it at lunch with someone else. The way that we do it is we pray about it and if it was actually from the Lord versus your own preference, you're going to bring it to them. You know why? Because they need the help. For you to know something and not share it, you have not died to self. Will you pledge to help these families today? Yes. We're going to pray, but we're not going to just pray some limp-wristed kind of prayer. We're going to lay hands on each of these families. And what I want you to do is I want you to actually pray for them. How about you pray for them like it was when you were standing up in a place like this? How about you pray for them like, like Shiloh matters to you as much as it does your own child? Like Megan and Valentina matter to you because you want to see them succeed in the Lord. That Elijah matters, that each of these children matter to you. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the elders and the pastors to begin laying hands on people. There's a word of prophecy that comes for us. We'll do that as well. But let's pray for these families. Mighty God, we come before you right now. God, we thank you for Ari and Luke. 
God, we pray for parents who will be committed to you, who will be fully committed to you, God, who will walk in your instruction, who will walk in your flow of shalom. Lord, that Ari and Luke will be anointed in your house. Lord, we thank you for River. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful family. God, I pray for an anointing upon this young lady. God, that you will speak to her, that you will give her an ability to be able to prophesy, that she will hear your words even from a young age, mighty God. We thank you for them. Lord, for Joshua, mighty man of God, and Jonathan, Lord, I pray for these kids. Lord, would you move in their lives? Lord, I thank you for this naturally born leader. Lord, in his strong will, Lord, that he will become a mighty man of God, able to move the heavens and the earth because of his prayers. Lord, I love this one. Lord, with his sweet demeanor, Lord, would you let him be joyful all the days of his life? Let him be joyful, Lord. Let him hear your words, God. For Kaysen, Lord, what an awesome young man, Lord, from an awesome family. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful family. Lord, that Kaysen, that you will heal him, that every part of his little lungs, that every part of his body that is yet to be developed fully will be touched in Jesus' name. Even now, Lord, you give us authority as elders of the church to lay hands on the sick, to lay hands on children, and that they will be healed. Lord, we're not praying for healing, Lord, we're actually believing that we can heal him right now because of your power. Touch Kaysen, Lord, touch Alex and Haley, Lord. Touch them, Lord, even for the children, the adoptions that may be ahead of them. Lord, that they are setting a standard here. Lord, that these pillars in our house, Lord, will be grown and this man will walk in your ways, Lord. We thank you for him. For Eileen, Lord, we thank you for Eileen, this beautiful princess. Lord, we thank you for Morgan. God, we thank you that you have brought her here in our midst. Lord, would you move upon this family? God, would you touch Eileen? God, would you allow her to hear your words? God, would you allow her little heart to be touched and moved by your spirit? Lord, that this thing, Lord, that even now, Lord, even now as a single parent, Lord, I pray for Morgan. God, I pray for strength, Lord. Lord, that even as a single parent, Lord, that you would be her husband. Lord, that you would be the one who can speak into her, that you would give her strength. Lord, I pray that there not be shame. Lord, that you would cleanse her from all past unrighteousness. Lord, and even now, will be with her. Lord, even now. Lord, she will not run and grow weary or walk and faint, Lord, but that she will run to you and that you will renew Morgan's strength, that you will renew her vision for this, for her daughter and for herself, Lord. I'm praying for vision right now, God, that you will give her the right way to go, the right steps to take, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful family. God, we are so blessed by them, Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, for Titus, Magnus, Benjamin, Stevens, Lord, we love this man. Lord, bless him. God bless him in Jesus' name, Lord, that you have even called him from before he was born, Lord, and so we pray for this family, God, we pray for Judah, God, we pray for Sasha, Lord, even now, Lord, as they continue to die to self and to raise this mighty man of God, this one who will be a mighty man for you, Lord, Lord, I thank you for Judah and his leadership. Lord, I pray that you give him eyes to see in his own home. Lord, for Sasha, I pray that you give her, Lord, not only a heart of love for her son, but a heart that it can help train him in all the ways that he will walk in. Lord, that he will walk in the ways of his mother and his father and the families and the generations that have gone before him. Lord, use this mighty man in Jesus' name. Lord, for Shiloh, we thank you for her and the miracles that have already taken place. Lord, we continue to pray for miracles here. Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray for more miracles. 
Yeah, Lord, we pray for that her, her head continues to grow. Lord, that all of the things that they are working on as a family, Lord, that she will continue to improve and grow. Lord, and even little by little, Lord, is your choice to heal in some of these areas. And you're doing it for the good of JJ and Natalie. You're doing it for their good. Lord, you're doing it to instill things in them that they never would have thought possible, Lord, but you are good to them. And you're going to use Shiloh to do it, Lord. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you are even healing Shiloh right now, God. I thank you that you are going to continue to move in them and continue to bless this precious child of God. Lord, may her mind be keen and alert. Lord, may she be able to see things in the heavenly realm. Lord, give her visions and dreams. Lord, give this one visions of what it's like in the heavens, Lord, that she will be able to see even what none of us, what, what mortal man cannot see, Lord. I thank you for giving her. I thank you for giving her for an ability to do that, Lord. I thank you that you're giving that to her now. Lord, for Valentina, what a beautiful angel. Lord, for Megan, what beautiful family. Lord, we pray that this family, Lord, that they will be grounded in your house. Lord, you say that those uh, will flourish in the courts of our God. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Lord, we thank you that this family will be planted. Lord, that they will be planted by your streams of living water. That in the church that you have chosen, Lord, that you will bless them. They will be able to grow in every way possible. Lord, thank you for Megan. Lord, thank you for this beautiful child. Lord, thank you for Valentina. Lord, that you will bless this one. Lord, with all of your gifts, Lord, with your spirit. Lord, that she will be able to walk, Lord, and hear your voice. Lord, that Carlos would be able to hear your voice, Lord. That he would be able to walk in this house, Lord, as a son of this house. Lord, being able to transfer that on. Lord, thank you for Valentina. Um, Lord, thank you for Patricia, Lord, as well, that you will move in her life. God, thank you that they are here, Lord. We know and we believe that you have called them here. Lord, would you move upon them? Lord, would you stir them? Lord, would you bless them in every way possible? Lord, we thank you, Lord, for Elijah. Lord, for Elijah, may he be a man of God just as his name indicates. Lord, that he, even as I end, Lord, Elijah, I end, that he will be able to see. Lord, that he will be able to walk in your ways, Lord. That you would incre increase... Lord, the ability, Lord, the discernment, Lord, the, 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 um, Lord, the heart of his parents, Lord, that they will ever run after you. Lord, that you will move them to follow your ways. Lord, that you will continue to speak to them. Lord, that the path that they are on of righteousness, Lord, it will grow wider and wider. It will be, it, they will see it more and more clearly. Lord, that your light will be seen in them brighter and brighter, even until the noonday sun. Lord, that you will move upon this family. Lord, we thank you for this precious gift. Lord, we thank you for this precious gift. Lord, we dedicate all of these children. We dedicate these families to you now. As a church, Lord, I thank you that we have a family that will stand together. Lord, that the family of the righteous. Lord, even as Jesus said, who are my mother? Who are my brothers? Lord, you say that those who do the will of the Lord are the true family of the Lord. Lord, we, we relish our natural families. Lord, but we are, there is something special about a spiritual family. Lord, so we stand firm in that today. We thank you for each and every family that you will bring blessing and appointment to each of these lives. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Joy, would you put up Deuteronomy 7? We're going to sing a song in closing together. Uh, if you guys will hold still, we've got a, a word from Alicia. Times that get rough, no matter what. 
The Lord's going to give you all the strength to get through everything. And I just want to just, just thank the Lord for each and every one of y'all's kids. And um, we're going to continue to fight for babies that need healing and watch these little ones grow up to be mighty men and women of God. This is a special church. For those of you who may be guests here, what you see is a mother who recently lost her own daughter, a family that recently lost their own child, praying for the other children here. That's something special, my friends. Praying that the Lord would strengthen and heal. That's something special, my friends. This is something of those who walk in the way of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, it says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments.